Am I against teaching my children that equity is the answer and they, as white children, are the problem? Absolutely. Don't be afraid to speak out for your kids because they are voiceless and they, and they rely on you. You should be afraid of them rooting for socialism by the time they get to middle school. We work to mold the next generation of well-rounded American patriots, so don't give up because it is up to us. Students, you are on the front lines of these indoctrination camps. Even the title of the latest equity progress report screams your buffoonery. A path forward together. A path towards what? Your definition of social justice? And a path forward together? Really? We could not be a community more divided. I want you to all know in no uncertain terms that I will do everything I possibly can to fight to the bitter end until you prove to me that you are not teaching my children that they are racist just because they're white. Happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen and before I even get into that foolishness or that whatever that was that we saw at the top of the hour, um, I'm going to go ahead and kick it to my co-host so they can introduce themselves, let you know who's in the building today and we'll get into the discussion. So Anaya, I'm going to start with you. Go ahead and introduce yourself, love. Hi everyone, my name is Anaya. I'm 16 years old and I'll be going to my junior year of high school. Junior year of high school. Let's get it. Uh, Lex, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Okay, while we're waiting for Lex, go ahead, Melissa and Ms. Tawana. Hi, everyone. My name is Lex. I'm 17 years old and a graduated senior from El Camino High School. Woo, woo. That's what I'm talking about. Pay attention, though. Pay attention. We need you to be on task. Stay on task, Lex. Uh, I'm going to kick it to Tawana and Melissa. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, please. Hi, guys. My name is Melissa, and I am a 14-year-old incoming sophomore. My name is Tawana, and I am Melissa's mom, and I am a 48-year-old dedicated mother. Okay. We love those, too. We got to have those. Without you, we don't get her. And she's just as well-rounded as she want to be, so we're excited about that. So we're going to, um, I don't have any stories aside from what you sent in the chat, Melissa, uh, the little nine-year-old talking about she wants the BLM posters off her school walls because, I don't know why she said because, because what, Melissa? <laughs> because it was, so the school before had said no politics should be discussed at school just because of differences. So she considered BLM politics, which it's not. So she was saying if it's politics, that should also be down. But when they say it's politics, why is Black Lives Matter the same? So political, do you think? Mama, I'm going to kick it to you, Mama. Why do you think it's so political? Well, 
we know that it's, I mean, you know, at its essence, it's really not. I think that there is a whole group of people that are throwing it in the political arena to try and justify them seeing it as something that they shouldn't support, just like they wouldn't support something that is not of their belief um, as far as if they were Republicans or Democrats or whatever, but it's definitely not political, but people can throw it in there to try and use it as an excuse. That's really, mm -hmm. really all. Anaya, do you think B BLM is political? No, it's not political. It's just human rights. And I don't think having rights as a human or being entitled to keeping your life is a political thing. Mm. Because, you know, it, it's funny because there's a lot of, this is going around a lot of school districts and it's going to kind of segue into what we'll be talking about today. But um, they use it as an excuse to be inactive, right? They use it as an excuse to say, well, I mean, we can't say Black Lives Matter because everybody's life matter. Well, if Black Lives Matter, everybody's life would matter, wouldn't it? And so it's just like, we, we keep going on this hamster wheel talking about the same thing over and over again. And that resets the clock so they don't have to get active on really um, making sure that these campuses are environments that accept and, and, and welcome black students, period. And Lex done went somewhere, but um, <laughs> that's good because I was showing enough about to throw it to her. Um, so today we're gonna be talking about um, it's like this buzzword for the last couple of weeks, CRT, critical race theory, and the push for equity. Why is it such a problem? Um, what are they afraid of in terms of uh, critical race theory? What are they afraid of? What do you think, Melissa? Why do you think it's such a hot button issue? I think that they're afraid of us really realizing, like not just black people, but also white people, their counterparts realizing the history behind oppression that they caused. They don't want us to learn about it. And they most certainly don't want the people that caused it to learn about what really happened. Mm. And I, I think about that all the time. And, and it seems like they are internalizing when we say oppression or we say something is racist, we're talking about systemic racism. This is not an individual thing. These are, this is a system, a system that was put in place to basically treat black students as second-class citizens. Uh, Anaya, what would you say to that? What would I say to your first question? Um, I think that they're scared that if um, people learn about history that white people are gonna feel powerless or the racist white people are going to feel powerless, that people know what has happened in the past and they're standing up and not trying to just let it be swept under the rug anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of times um, when we're talking about, and I, I think that they just learned this term because I don't think that they're applying it correctly. I think they're just like, yeah, we don't want anything. But what is wrong with learning history? What's wrong with that, Tawana? So see, that's that's the problem. So when you know about history, it makes you um, aware and responsible. And in the school, especially in the school setting, when you are a history teacher, you are literally the gatekeeper of knowledge. That's your job. So when we're talking about making something um, like just learning about other cultures, especially black culture. 
to not teach it to me does a disservice to everybody because black history is American history. Without us, there really is no thriving America. Mm. And, and the fact that they would have to give us as much credit for so much of what America is today, that's problematic for a large amount of people who only want to see us as something that is, you know, bad or negative or, you know, definitely powerless, you know, so when we start to implement those types of things in school, it, it raises the awareness of black kids. It allows them to really fully understand just how powerful they are, how fearless they really should be and how they should actually move through this world that has unfortunately been designed to keep them oppressed and to keep them stagnant or not moving forward at all. So there's so many dimensions as to why there's fear from you know a lot of other people not wanting us to really get our just due because if we wake up and really have the knowledge of who we are and where we came from and what we've actually done and what we are actually capable of they better watch out and that's their biggest fear mm. so I'm, I'm just curious uh to my to my students had you guys ever heard the term critical race theory before the last couple of weeks no and why do you think that is? <laughs> you can't even come up with that. You're just shaking your head. So, and, and, and it's so crazy to me that they are actually using their elected positions where they're supposed to represent the constituency, which includes people who look like us, and using those positions to enact laws that further <laughs> keep Black kids, folks, tethered to the bottom. So I'm just trying to figure out really um, why now, what do you think, what do you think is, is the reason that it's actually coming up right now? Do you, do you know the other top hot button topic there is right now? Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Yes. But it's another one that has some financial implications. Um, is it reparations? Reparations. So as soon as <laughs> they have to, they have to keep these, these different things. It's like a, a diversion tactics so that we don't focus on what it is. So they're like, okay, we'll give you gym teeth because that's, I mean, we could, we could do it for holiday. Cool. But we're not going to talk about the thing that would make you whole as a people. We're not going to talk about the thing that would, you know, um, take away that racial wealth gap. You know what I mean? And when you take away the racial wealth gap for our community, that really kind of, puts us and catapults us to where we were supposed to be. We were not supposed to be the legs to the table that everybody stands on to get ahead. How do we build the country and remain at the bottom of it as if we've contributed nothing? <laughs> you know, all the negative press is about our kids, all of the, um, all of the disciplinary tactics that they use in, in these campuses are directed at our kids. So I'm just trying to figure out why they don't want to tell the truth of that. And then now with that, this, whatever played at the top of the hour, they're bringing in the push for equity. And that, that has been a hot button uh, or a buzzword for the last couple of years, especially where we're at in here in Elk Grove, this equity plan, this, this you know, equity lens, this uh, Arbinger mindset training, this um, uh, 
uh, what's that? PBIS, positive behavioral intervention solutions. All that crap is on the table and our kids remain at the bottom of every statistical category except discipline. So when we're talking about the push for equity, somebody has to admit that there is a problem somewhere. So what, what, what other problems do you guys see? I mean, you guys are the ones on the campuses. I'm on the outside looking in. What problems are you seeing that you think your administration needs to address in order for them to advance their so-called equity plan? What type of things do you think they need to put on the table? Anaya, go ahead. Well, first, I think it starts with who is teaching the students. So if the district allows these teachers to come in who are racist and, and have prejudice against students, against black students, and then continue to keep the teachers there, there's no going, there's not going to be a push forward. Nothing is going to change. No matter how much training those teachers get, they're still going to have the mindset that, they, that a racist mindset that they have. Mm. And I and I tell your teachers and your administrators all the time, it has nothing to do with the mindset. It's a heart issue. If I don't truly believe that these students, one, are human beings, two, they are worthy of my time and attention, I'm going to treat them as if I'm tired and I don't want to be around them. And what they have allowed to happen is, like you said, they keep the same teachers in place no matter how ineffective that they are. They don't question them. They they talk about these evaluations. I'm not sure what they're evaluating them on because I think they need to start looking at the teachers who are sending kids out multiple times. And we need to figure out what the problem is. Would you say that, Alex? Do you think that we need to start to assess um, the teachers and, and their impacts uh, positively on all students, not just the students that they like? Yes, I agree 100% because I know there's a lot of people um, during school will be like, oh, I had this one teacher who really helped me and they really got me going with my journey. And a lot of, you don't hear that story with a lot of black students and just in general, you don't really hear that story just with students that often. So when you do, it's rare and we know it's even slimmer for our black students in school. So we really need to look at the teachers. How are you teaching your kids? How are they... Um, how are they pinpointing their kids? How are they flagging our black students as well? And how much do they value our education? Because I know a lot of teachers see us as a as a price, as a paycheck. You know, if they're coming into class, are they passing classes? And sometimes they don't even care. So we need to assess if they value our education. We need to assess if they're valuing our time and our effort that we're putting into the class because a lot of students do but they still won't put in the effort back so we need to make sure that they're keeping the same energy that students are and that they're also reaching out to um, their students as well because it really should be in their best interest for us to pass but not only to pass to be good students as well and make sure we're okay yeah and, and i would agree uh yeah pops i agree to keep it's designed to keep us in place but what is that place i and we talked about this last week you know my place is where i say it is and i do think that because of my skin tone or my hair texture i get away with a lot more things that other people probably wouldn't and i acknowledge that there's a privilege in the fact that i worked at the capitol there's a privilege in the fact that i've taken um, police academies and i've been trying to learn the different systems and how they interact with our students it's it's a privilege that i know a lot of these um, administrators in these different districts because i'm going in there and i'm fighting for our students but i think about the parents um, or the people that are not as active as I am. 
And I think about how their children matriculate through this system that continually, you know, starting at age three, where they are uh, identifying black boys as emotionally disturbed, age three. And they're going through this system where they think that it's okay, that they need extra training to treat black children like they're human beings. Why are we spending millions of dollars to train teachers and not just white teachers, there's anti-blackness amongst all cultures and including some of these other black folks that ain't from America. There's anti-blackness. So when we're talking about anti-blackness, that is not, that is not to say that we're only going to focus on one people. Although those people are mostly the ones in charge, you know, but we have to look at it holistically. Anti-blackness is a thing. Nobody likes to say the word black. I don't know if y'all have noticed that your, your teachers and administrators, they don't like to say the word black. It makes them uncomfortable. And so when I was sitting in here and I was talking to one of the superintendents, I was like, why do you all need extra training to treat black children like they're human beings? And he told me because of racism. And I'm like, finally, now that we put a name to the problem, now we can develop stuff you know, to to kind of fix the problem. But without naming the problem, we can't fix the problem. What do you think, Miss Tawana? What do you think? It's that's the absolute truth, you know. And um I remember, you know, growing up and being, you know, classified as, you know, as black. And then somewhere along the line, African American um came into play. And um in our house, it was still black. You know, my mom was married to an ex-Panther and it just was what it was. You know, right. there was no, we weren't playing with the words, but I started to see more, you know, where black was fading to the back and African-American was being used more. And I know that's because it makes other people more comfortable, you know, political to correctness. say that. Cause it's, you know, they're being politically correct, you know, um, but there is this, this fear, you know, of, you know, black power being a thing, you know, because I think at the end of the day, they know that um, if, you know, the majority of us learn how to really use, you know, black power, you know, in the best way that we possibly can, that it's, it's game over for us ever thinking that we're at the bottom as a whole. And more parents are gonna come in demanding better for their children. They're going to come in, you know, flipping over tables, so to speak, you know, getting their points across and saying, no, this is completely unacceptable. And it won't just be, you know, well, oh, well, I have to go to work, you know, or I have to do this. I mean, they will literally lose it in order to make sure that everything is going correctly on those campuses so that our children can be treated, you know, fairly as equals to their counterparts because just like you were saying it really is a heart issue because if you're a teacher and you can look at a child and see anything but a child who needs to learn and be treated as a human being there's a huge huge problem and it has to start with the heart and like you know the first person finally acknowledged racism and dealing with that and knowing that if you don't deal with that anything else you put in place is literally a waste of time and resources that could be being used for something else. Facts. Anaya, do you agree with that? 
I 100% agree. And I do think that we need to start asking those questions and being more direct, like you did, Ms. Noreen, saying, why do we need to spend all this money for trainings just for a group of kids to be treated equally? And it's, I, I never thought about that myself. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, why, why is that needed? I know why it's needed, but I've never asked it to anybody else. I've never heard anybody else at my school ask anybody else that. So I do think it's like really, really important to go to the bigger names in schools because they're the people teaching your principals, your vice principals, your teachers. At the end of the day, they're the like end all be all. Like they're the root of the problem, I think. Mm, the root of the problem. Now, <laughs> I love that you put that in there because the root, you know, you, you stop stuff at the root. That, that poison can't grow. So getting to the root of the problem is really where we have to start. Um, the other thing that when you were saying that and you said you had never thought about it, I don't think they ever thought about it either. I don't think they ever thought somebody would come in and start just asking those type of questions. Um, I'm also one of the ones like I, I don't identify as African-American. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I believe that I'm from somewhere. Um, I'm not from a whole continent, though. What country are you associating me with? And then we can go from there. Um, I don't want to be known as a continent and a country, African-American. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, I prefer Black. And I tell this, these teachers that, or these administrators that all the time. I know here in Elk Grove, they try to rename Black History Month African-American History Month. That may not be a, a big thing to somebody else, but it's a big thing for me. And if I've, I mean, I'm looking at, like you said, Ms. Tawana, you said that it used to be Black, then it went to African-American. My grandma, her parents were known as mulattoes. Then they became Negro. Then they became Black. Then they became African-American. I don't have a race on my birth certificate, I looked. And I'm like, wait a minute, why? Why don't I have one? And then when you start, you start to um, do your, like, your family lineage and stuff, and I know I'm probably going to the left side, but let me just bring it back real quick. I started to do my family lineage, and something that I noticed um, my grandmother, my great grandmother, her name was spelled several different ways. So you're talking about a people whose families were broken up and now we're trying to put the pieces back together. I don't think anybody else is doing that. Um, and then I had to look on several different census documents to find this, this lady that I've never met in. And ironically, she looks just like my mom and I'm just like, whoa. And then to find all her children and try to connect the dots to their children. Nobody knows what it's like to be a people without a land per se, and to be trying to find the pieces of yourself. But we expect our children to go on these campuses and be seen as whole individuals. And we're pieces of, of folk trying to pull it together. And when I, I, I get really angry because then we can't get specificity. The reason we don't get specificity is because we want to include everybody in our struggle. Everybody don't have our struggle. And we need to be clear about that. That's why you will never hear me say black and brown. You will never hear me say people of color. You will never hear me say minorities. You will never hear me say none of that because they're not at the table talking about me. So I'm going to talk about me. And I'm going to talk about these kids that I serve. And I'm going to call your attention to every problem that I see permeating from your system. And I'm going to get you to knock it off. And not only am I coming, I'm bringing these kids with me and their parents with me. And we're going to hold your feet to the fire because it's unacceptable. And you're not going to use buzzwords like equity and not put any directed resources on the table 
to funnel into this group of students that you have under resources for under resourced for decades it's unacceptable you're not going to run equity departments without people who look like me and sometimes some of them jokers is, is a problem too and we talked about that last week but it's so important and i want y'all to weigh in lex and, and anaya um and and melissa it's so important that y'all understand um that specificity is how you need to advocate moving forward do you understand why i say you have to be specific in your asks melissa do you understand why and can you explain it to people and then lex i want you to come after melissa yeah you have to be specific with your words because how are you going to try and treat black and brown issues there aren't black and brown issues there's black issues and there's people who are brown they're their issues you can't put them together because no one's issues are going to get fixed or the, the brown issues are going to get fixed, but you have to split it up in order to fix everybody's issues. And when we're grouped together with other groups, we're always pushed to the back. Everyone else's issues get, when we're in a group and lumped together with another group of people, their issues always get fixed first and we're pushed to the back. So you have to be specific and focus on one group of people, the group of people that has been oppressed the longest, that built the country for you and then were pushed to the back. No, you have to be specific and focus on one group of people in order to get that fixed yeah lex um melissa took the words right out of my mouth but you know every time we're not specific about something or we choose our words not so wisely they'll be like okay you're talking about this let me put two and two together and i'm going to do the bare minimum so you guys will seem like you're happy or we're going to do the least that we can do to pass it as we're solving your problems when really all we did was touch the tip of the iceberg. So if we're not saying, hey, look at this, we have this problem right here and this is only our problem and it needs to be solved, they're going to lump us together or group us together so they can do the bare minimum to, so it can get passed. And that's not, quite frankly, that's not what we need. And they've been doing it for hundreds of years. And so if we're not saying this is exactly what I need, they're not going to do exactly what it is that we're asking because we've seen that happen hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. Anaya? I 100% agree with Lex and Melissa. And to add on, like if we group everybody together, people are going to find loopholes and say, oh, well, I did this. This is what you asked for. Why are you still asking for this? I thought I did what you asked me to do. For example, for example, just like the anti-hate bill, the anti-Asian hate bill, people would say, oh, for minorities. No, no, lynching is still legal. It's not illegal and it's been going on for years. How long has the Asian hate been going on? A they year? Say, they say since coronavirus, yeah. So it's frustrating. It's just so frustrating when people are like black and brown people clump them together. What about us? What, like, what about us black people? Cause we're not, we're not the same as them. They don't go through the same stuff as us. Yeah, sure, things happen to them as well. I'm not trying to say that nothing happens to them. I acknowledge that things happen to those people as well. But at the end of the day, you can't sit here and fight for other people when, you're, when, nobody's, fighting for, when nobody's fighting for you. You can't yeah. push yourself down and try to go fight for other people. Yeah, and I think it's that analogy of you're rowing a boat and people are poking holes, right? Um, you're not going anywhere if people are poking holes in your boat as you're trying to progress. Um, and that's why I, I really advocate for specificity. What I've seen in these school districts is they take the black students statistics and they attribute them 
to black and brown. But what I, because y'all gotta, y'all gotta get in here and start learning how to read documents and read graphs and read, you know, these things. But students who are the majority in a district should not have comparable discipline numbers to students who are the least in the district. And if you look at the black statistics, they are the most of the time the least in the district besides, uh, I think, Native Americans. They are the least, but they have the most discipline infractions. They have comparable numbers to the largest population, which is the brown students. And not only that, they have comparable numbers, but they are suspended more days than the largest group in the district. That is not disproportionate. And so we get into these words, these semantics with these districts. If they are the largest group, they should have more infractions than the one of the smaller groups in the district. And so nobody wants to talk about that and they want to just use semantics. And I'm very, very clear. Then they want to say, well, foster kids. They want to say homeless kids. They want to say uh, uh, economically disadvantaged kids. Break those down and show me the disaggregated data of where black students fall. And they get mad. And I don't care. That's what they get paid for. Find me the information. It's not my job to go in there. You just give me the information. Or I'll just wait to the uh, San Diego State <laughs> produces their report and I'm gonna just bring their their numbers to you since you won't produce it yourself. And so again, when we're talking about equity, we have to understand that equity is giving everybody everything they need to be successful, not what you want to give them, not giving them everything the same. It's giving everybody what they need to be successful. And if black students are at the bottom of every category, there should be directed resources to every category where they are the bottom at to help them lift up. I don't believe in the rising tides lifts all boats. All the boats ain't sinking. It's one boat sinking. And so until we start to get that in our spirit, that nothing is going to change until we change our, our outlook on stuff, until we change the way we engage politically, because we're, we're immature politically too. We'd be like, oh, we just gonna vote blue no matter who. What you asking for? What are you putting on the table? This is part of equity. Those so-called black leaders that just want theirs while the rest of us are trying to you know, scrape and crawl for just the bare minimum, we gotta stop that too. I, mm -mm. We're not doing this anymore. What you saying, mama? I see your earring shaking. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford we can't afford that you know we we cannot business as usual can no longer be what we're about we have to be specific about who is supporting us who is showing up for us who is doing the work for us and if you're not and you don't really have a plan then we need to question, like, why don't you have a plan? And if you do keep saying that you have a plan, well, what does that plan look like? What does it include? How does that really impact us as Black people? Because if it doesn't, I don't care about just talking about minorities. I don't care. And I, I've been, you know, in situations as well. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, minorities or, you know, the children of color. And I'm like, okay, well, what about the Blacks? And I'm like, children of color, what color? I just want to be specific. I want to know who we're talking about. You know what I mean? And and then um, I can't remember what you said. Lex, were you unmuting? What were you about to say? 
Um, I was just going to add on to, to basically, not only do we have to question what our leaders are running for, what exactly they're saying they're going to do for us, but we need to hold them accountable once they get those positions. And we need to make sure that once you get in there, you're still doing what you said you were going to do. And if they're not, we have to say something about it. Because a lot of people be like, oh, we did our part. We got them there. Like, no, we still have to ride their backs and make sure that once they're there, they're doing what they said they were going to do. So we need to not just root for them once they get there, but we also need to make sure we're still there throughout the journey. Because we've seen that a lot of times we get someone in that position that they need to be in. And then they're like, oh, I'm here and I'm going to do what I want to do now. Everything I promise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure you said you're going to be here to do this. We're making sure you're going to do that. Otherwise, you're going to get out because that's not what we, we can't do that anymore. We can't afford that anymore. And we got to stop with this performative stuff. I don't want to see no more people in the Congressional Black Caucus taking the knee. Get your behind up and do your job. Juneteenth is a federal holiday. Great uh, for somebody. I, I, somebody might be happy about that. But what about the anti-lynching bill? Can we get that passed? Yeah. Okay, how about the uh, George Floyd, what, uh, the bill, uh, the anti-chokehold the anti bill? I mean, there's so many things that they can be doing with the power that they have in, in their possession, and they're taking photo ops. We need to stop that, too. Ms. Harris, your VP, said, I'm not going to do anything specifically for Black people. And Black people rushed to the polls to vote her Black self in there. Blackish self in there. Mixedish self. I don't know. They went, they, they went flocking to the polls like little robots. Didn't ask for nothing. Didn't have the nerve to say, well, we're going to hold them accountable after we get them in there. What kind of politics is that? that does, that's not how it works. No other group does that. Why are we settling for crumbs? I don't want to see no more Kente Cloth on Capitol Hill when they can't freaking um, convict these people that rush, bum rush the Capitol and put them in jail or prison. I don't want to see no more Kente Cloth. Right. I don't want to see it. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of all of them. They can all go. And we're sitting over here and we're happy for the bare minimum. And it's not it's like it's like this trickle down effect. I can't tell you how many black parents I see at the school board meetings when they were open, unless their child was going through something. We only show up when something is happening. We have to get politically mature in that way. And we got to, when they say they have an equity plan, if they don't have a plan, doggone it, present one to them. Because they don't know. And as long as we're waiting for them to fix it for us, we're going to be waiting. Nobody can fix this for our children because nobody is invested in our children like we should be. And that's my problem with the education system. Go ahead. Who's unmuting, Ms. Tawana? That was me. I, I wanted to add something that you said earlier about equity and how our students are always at the bottom. And something I've noticed 
is that when during this push for equity, it's talking about learning loss. And mm -hmm. now, now that all students, you know, we've been at home for a year, year and a half. So our stu all students are experiencing learning loss. Well, what about the black students who went to underprivileged schools, who couldn't afford to get into better schools, who have experienced learning loss through their whole life? Now you're only catering, you're trying to cater to everybody, but there's still students who are far behind the white students who are just now experiencing learning loss, yet they have a personal tutor. So there, no one's experiencing it in the way that we are now and always have been. So it's like when it affects their students and their people, then they start to care, but it's never, they never care when it's just us. And it's always been just us. Yeah. And I also think that they were afraid of them parents actually getting them lawsuits off the ground. A lot of times um, our people will work with people and we'll try to talk it out. We'll try to come to an amicable solution. Other parents don't do that. They just bring the lawyer. They give you a letter of intent to sue. Um, the, uh, the bottom side of that is once you present the district with that letter, they stop talking to you. So we can't afford to do that because as long as our kids are on those campuses, we need the lines of communication to be open. So we can't afford that, right? Um, and so I, I just think that we've allowed them to basically be non-active and then we push back when it actually enters our home and affects our child it has a negative effect but you don't know and you're not asking your kid how are you doing daily like i know that you know nothing has happened where i've been called to your school but it's something going on that you want to share is somebody saying something to you? Is somebody making you feel uncomfortable? Is your teacher cooperating? Is your principal, do you know who your principal is? Have they introduced themselves? Like just the basic questions, because a lot of times our kids are just existing in these spaces. Um, and equity means that you know that something is unequal somewhere. So you have to notice that if these kids have never been resourced, if you don't have any dedicated resource, I can tell you about uh, English as a second language. I can tell you about refugee kids. I can tell you about the uh, Native American kids and the, the grants that they get for them. I could tell you about LGBTQ kids and the grants they get for them. But when it comes to black students, everybody plays dumb. And I, I'm, I'm ticked off about that. You can find money for everybody else except for the kids who have been at the bottom of every category. I feel like some of that kind of bleeds into if we give them grants, if we give them scholarships, it's obviously for a reason. And I think that reason is them recognizing our struggle and the things we go through every day. So I feel like by them denying us scholarships, like not being putting those programs into schools and things like that, is them not acknowledging or playing dumb, like you said, that we do struggle. Um, we're going through these things every day. You, you guys don't value our education. You're obviously not trying to get us places in school. So by them not providing these extra things, it's them being like, oh, what are you talking about? They must be doing great. We don't have scholarships or grants or all these extra things like we do for our other kids. They must be doing fine. Mm -hmm. But y'all outfit their athletic teams, though. They make money off your backs, though. And then they send you to college and they continue to make money off your backs, though. They they say they're going to give you a scholarship, but what does that really mean when we're giving kids scholarships and they don't have enough money to eat? 
I mean, like, we got to talk about it. The whole system. We have to talk about it. Because they they treat certain kids special while the football season, the basketball season, the track season is in. And then when those seasons are not in, they are punitive to them. And then they matriculate them through a system where people, mostly white people, make money off their black bodies. What does that sound like? Slavery to me. Come on. So we have to be clear what we're seeing. I don't want them to just cheer on the athletes because have you prepared them to go to the next step academically? Or are you just going to put them in Swahili just to give them a passing class so that they could continue to break their bodies for your benefit? They don't care. I just got because, questions. <laughs> I mean, one of my friends, he plays um, football for our school and our school took him out of one of the classes he needed to graduate and put him in a six period PE class. So he was taking two PE classes, one for football and one for school when he doesn't have enough time in his schedule so he can graduate on time. And I'm like, why are you doing this? You're not gonna be able to graduate if because you're supposed to only have two years of PE, um, freshman, sophomore year, but they're putting him in this extra class for his junior and senior year. And I'm like, when are you gonna have time to take your required courses? You're gonna have to do summer school or something if you wanna graduate this year, because you're not going to be able to. So why are you letting them put you in these classes if football is only a few months, why are you taking this class for the entire year? That's a great question. Who allowed that to happen? Where were his parents? Where was his guidance counselor? Who allowed that to happen? Those are the questions that we need to ask, right? Yep. Why are we having that, allowing that to happen? That's absolutely unacceptable. Who does he go to? An extra PE class? We already know that our kids are athletic. An extra PE class for what? Weight training? I know they used to do that, you know, during football season or, I don't know, these kids play double sports sometimes to try to, you know, heighten their uh, their chances of getting a scholarship, um, an athletic scholarship. But what is the purpose of putting them in classes um, that when they are not the required courses, then what do they do? Where is he going? Did he graduate, Lex? He did graduate. I'm not sure where he's going to college. Um, but yeah, his counselor never talked to him. If it was, it was probably because his coach was like, you need to get your grades up so you can play the next game. Go talk to your counselor. It was never, hey, I need you to go talk to your counselor. It's off season. Your grades are looking a little rough. Never saw that type of communication. It was always, are your grades good? Because I need you this season. We got to stop that. And the thing is, his co one of his coaches was also black too. So the and coaches wasn't looking out. They just want to win. Well, the coaches want to win. That's their job to win. That coach is not not his teacher. That coach is not his guidance counselor. That coach is not his parent. Where the hell are the parents at? Like we we ooh girl. <laughs> <laughs> like I I just get so agitated because this is the type of thing that we continue to see where our kids are being funneled into classes they don't need so that they don't have the requirements to get to the next level while these high schools are just trying to win and make money off of them too. Like this is, it's insane. And I, and I apologize to him. I wish he was involved with our program because we would have been over there. 
um, trying to make sure he had what he needed to be successful. Success in high school is graduating in four years with a diploma. That's success. In case anybody was listening, don't know. He shouldn't have been in two PE classes and nobody should have allowed that. I know everybody senior year, they want the easy classes. They don't want to do much. Senioritis kicks in and all these different things keep going. But now what? Where's the equity in that? Maybe there I'm, isn't any, there isn't any, maybe I'm tripping. I don't know. Um, for the parents that are watching, um, and the ones who still have children in high school, keep up on their A through G requirements. Make sure they're taking what they need. If you need help, give us a call here. We have people on staff that will help you. We will help you. You don't have to just call us when you have an issue. Call us if you need help navigating this system. Our GOAT program is fantastic. We had about um, eight young people receive scholarships over the weekend. Shout out to uh, everyone who came and spent time with us at our uh, celebration weekend. Um, we have to do it for our children ourselves because leaving it to these people who will use them, abuse them, and discard them is no longer an option. It's no longer an option. We got to get in the game. And I'm just ticked off. I don't know why my blood pressure just went up like 29. She told me the baby didn't graduate. Um, and I hope it's not nobody I know because I see a lot of children. And I know a couple of your friends, Lex. It better not be the person that I think you're talking about because we really going to have an issue um, because it's just unacceptable. Um, we will we will review your transcripts to get to the level that you want to be to achieve your goals. Um, it's so crazy. Um, and, and I want y'all to weigh in eventually because I know I'm talking a lot today because I'm mad. Um, <laughs> yesterday, we were at um, one of our mentors' houses and one of our uh, mentees from the BGSN program, she told us that the guidance counselor just um, kind of dissuaded her from applying to um, colleges that expected more rigor of students. And so she says, oh, I think you should apply to these schools because I know you can get into them. But the schools that she should have applied to, that she also got into, the, the guidance counselor wouldn't send her transcripts. The guidance counselor kept saying, where did all these other colleges come from? These aren't the colleges that we discussed. Like, where do what? they do that at? Like, I'm so confused. And I said, well, who is the guidance counselor? Because we're going to send a letter to let her know we are aware of her shenanigans and she needs to knock it off. It's down there by you, T. It's down there by you. So we're going to have to uh, get involved. Um, and, I'm, and I'm being told it's a sister in there that did that. Wouldn't send her transcripts. Wouldn't send her, her transcripts. And she had to call her over and over again. The school, the, the, the counseling team from the college was saying, we didn't get your transcripts. Have your counselor send them. She got them on three-way. And she says, I'm sending it right now. Never sent her transcripts. And that's out of the 15 colleges she applied to, that's the only one she didn't get into because she didn't couldn't get the transcripts from the office and they wouldn't accept them from her. It's all disgusting. It's... I'm just at a loss. <laughs> That's completely unacceptable because as a guidance counselor, what kind of guidance 
are you really giving to a child when you're basically out of your mouth telling them that I'm going to guide you towards, you know, not necessarily mediocrity, but definitely not towards you being able to catapult yourself beyond the stars, which is what you're supposed to be doing. Because if you have a child that has a GPA that can get them into as many colleges as this child was able to get into, what are you doing discouraging them from doing it? Anything at all. Heads need to roll because that's crazy and completely unacceptable. And my heart breaks. And even though it's just one college, it doesn't matter. You don't shatter a child in any way when you see that they're on a path towards greatness. You follow that up with all the support and all the guidance that you can give them, not just because it's your job, because it is the right thing to do, period. This is ridiculous. That's horrible. And I just sat there and I'm like, and you could tell it hurt her because that person looked like her. So that ain't no guidance counselor. That's a gatekeeper. You know what I mean? And there are certain people that they put in positions that look like you that to keep you out of certain places. And so, um, I'm I'm actually very, very upset about that because as that young lady was telling me that last night, and I'm like, why you didn't tell us earlier? We could have intervened earlier. Y'all don't be afraid to call on your parent, your, your mentors, um, me. Don't be afraid to reach out because if there's something, if there's a trajectory you're trying to get to and you got an adult standing in your way, allow us to bulldoze them for you. Allow us to do that. I'll do it gladly because it's unacceptable. And she was so disappointed because she felt she had did everything she was supposed to do. And that lady kept her out of that college and it's unacceptable. And so I, 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 y'all, when I say it's black versus the board of education, understand, I mean that. It ain't African-American versus the board of education. It's black because the way I'm not politically correct. I'm not. I don't want you telling me who you think you are, who I who you think I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm not going to allow you to attribute words to me. If if we can work with pronouns, we can work with with preferences. My preference is that you say black to me. And everybody else can tell you their preference and their pronouns. It's unacceptable that our children have to fight everybody just to get to the next level. And they're trying just to survive. What do you think, Anaya? Because I'm mad. <laughs> I'm just, just like, I don't even know. Just like irritated. I'm sad. The guidance guidance counselor, she needs to be fired. Because that, like Ms. Um, Tawana said, that's unacceptable. Why did she still have that job if she kept a child out of a college? But that's just one that we know about. How many others yeah. did she do it to? Right. This is what this is what we have to start asking because it's not just an it's not just a one off. I don't believe in that. I believe that there is so much going on with these guidance counselors, and they're making decisions that we're unaware of, and it's negatively impacting our kids. And somebody has to call them out. And so now I'm on a crusade. 
What are you going to say, Lex? Um, I just wanted to say that I never talked to my school counselors because I, I stayed away from them my entire high school career. Um, I always went to my AVID teacher, um, which is a college prep class. So I'd, every time we'd have to choose our counselors, our counselors, uh, sorry, classes, our counselors was, would come in and they'd be like, these are the classes. These are the classes we suggest you take. These are what you need to graduate. I'd be like, that's funny. I'm not going to you. I'd go talk to my AVID teacher. She's like, this is what track you're on. If you want to get in a four-year school, these are the classes you should probably take. So I never, ever went to my counselor for anything. And I had switched my counselor three times because there was a few times I did go to my counselor before I went to my teacher. But ever since I switched counselors more than two times, I was like, this is not okay this is not happening. You're just not here for me. I'm going to go to someone who actually is, which was my AVID teacher, even though that is an elective class. So there's a lot of students that don't have that type of teacher in their lives, which is why, like um, Ms. Marcia said, the GOAT program is important. We can get you the things that you need, the items, the resources, your transcripts, your resumes, everything, your college portfolio, so you can go and do these things. It's really important. And I've never trusted my school counselors from the get-go. And uh, Mr. Joel Boyd says, school counselors have too much power and influence over our children's futures. And that is absolutely correct. And a lot of them are anti-Black, and we have to say that. Don't matter if they look like us. The fact that they employ people who make it their business to be extra punitive or traumatize our kids by not doing the basics, which is emailing a damn transcript. Like, come on now. Come on now. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. So that's why here at BYLP, we, we have our own programs that we offer to the community to make sure that our students are getting what they need to be successful. And that means that if you need, like Ms. Marcia said, or like Lex said, your, your college portfolio, you need help with your college essay, you want us to take a look at the transcripts to make sure you're in the right classes to achieve the goal you have, we can do that too. And we can also come in and advocate. We do that too, because it's it, we, we cannot continue to just subject our children to people who don't give a damn. We're not doing it anymore. And so I'm I'm just I'm just beside myself today, you guys, because I see that this weekend was so beautiful for a number of reasons. But as as we we held our graduation, we heard our students were going to Cornell, they were going to UC Santa Cruz, they were going to Hampton. If y'all remember something, yell it out at me. Spellman. Um, Spellman or house. Um I can't even remember, but they're going to, so, I mean, we have kids already in, 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 uh, Howard university. We have kids over in, uh, Northern Arizona, um, state university. We have kids going to UCLA to Berkeley. Um, one of our, uh, co-goat, uh, mentees or mentors now, because she's in Berkeley, um, she's helped 16 kids get into universities this year. And so when we're talking about doing things for ourselves, we doing it because we have to and it's time consuming and our heart breaks when we hear of, of these stories where we didn't get to enough kids and i'm like i could have done more and that's why i get upset it um 
it was it was a very beautiful um, weekend. One that I wish could be duplicated all across this country. Yeah, and I cannot wait to see you know what happens next and where we go because what I do know and what I am absolutely one hundred percent certain of is that if we do not take care of our own, nobody else will feel compelled to do it. I don't care what initiatives they put in place. I don't care what you know laws get passed. There's always going to be somebody else is going to come back and going to try and combat it and abolish it and take it away. So we have to really have the mentality of being your brother and your sister's keeper. We absolutely have to. So the things that, you know, just in this last year that I have experienced, you know, with the wonderful organization that, you know, you have in place and all these other, you know, um, parts of it where the boys and the girls and, you know, the families and all of those things, it's like, it's amazing. And I applaud you and I applaud your team because I know that it's a village and I know that it's not just one person, but the work that is being done here is absolutely necessary. And I am very proud to be a part of anything that you guys do, mostly because I know that it will not stop. I know that it will be a continuum that will go on until every child that who's crossed the path here gets exactly what it is that they need. So much respect to all of you guys. Melissa, go ahead and follow your mom. Tell us about this weekend. And we got about three minutes. I want somebody, I want each one of you to say one thing that stuck out about this weekend that you, um, that will forever resonate with you. One of the things. I think seeing all of my friends walk across the stage and, you know, getting what they deserve. Cause you know, other schools weren't going to do that. They couldn't even have a graduation. So the fact that we got to do that and highlight their black excellence was amazing, you know, and then we got to do class of 2020 who didn't get a graduation last year, you know? So I just think it's awesome that we got to highlight not just their accomplishments as students, but as people as well and what they've been able to accomplish through BYLP and what they will be able to do in the future. Yeah. Anaya, one thing that stuck out to you. One thing that stuck out to me is how everybody was encouraging everybody else and telling them how great they were. And every time somebody's name got called, we would hear the woos and the yays like three different times before they even reached the end of the stage for graduation. <laughs> That's what's up. Lex, you were a participant. So something that stuck out to you. Something that definitely stuck out was just the unconditional love and encouragement from everyone. It was a judgment-free zone. I did have a graduation for my school. Actually, I had two. And this one um, we had this weekend just felt different. You know, I felt like I was with my family and it was just a great feeling. It's one thing to walk across a stage at my school, but walking across the stage with my BYOP family was just a crazy different feeling. And I, it was just something that I loved being around. Absolutely. I'm going to miss it. What you mean you're going to miss? You ain't going nowhere. Anyway, we're not even talking <laughs> to Lex. We done with Lex. Lex, go on mute. Hush. <laughs> Lex thinks she, she done got rid of me, but you heard Jalen's speech, right? All it took was one text and he was right back in the fold. You ain't going nowhere. Um, so with that, you know, we have like a minute before we wrap up. Um, I wanted to just let everybody know that Celebration Weekend was probably everything that I didn't think it would be. Um, 
And I say that because I didn't expect to be so emotional. I didn't expect to be able to provide $8,000 in scholarships. Um, I didn't expect to be able to put myself together so we could play them games that we ended up playing, the culture tags. And we played a game called Generations where <laughs> Jada's daddy just cut up. Um, it was just one of those experiences. And you're right, Lex, it felt like family. And that's what we aim to do. And we will do it again next year. So make sure you're in the building for that. Um, so with that, um, like, share the podcast, uh, BVBOE6 on Instagram. Um, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so make sure you leave us a review. Um, our last episode of the season is next week, so make sure you tune in for that. We're going to just do a recap of everything we've been through, um, and we're going to hear about where our seniors are heading off to and what they plan to do next, so make sure you tune in. Um, I am uh, Miss Laureen with the captain of the ship, and these are my co-hosts, and Anaya will be joining us full-time next season, and Melissa will be back. We're going to put Lex on a different podcast because she ain't going to be in high school anymore, but it's all good. We can do that, too. So with that, we're going to hit y'all with the wave. <laughs> Marcia said Black Grad was lit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. He was... Yeah, he got closure. We That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give our kids closure. We don't need nobody traumatized. We want them whole individuals where he go to the real HU, uh, Howard University, <laughs> for his sophomore year. So with that, we're going to hit you with that wave. See you next Monday, 4 o'clock, right here. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel, live from wherever we at.